Welcome, everybody, to Mormons on Mushrooms. Uh, just a reminder that this is a storytelling podcast where we discuss alternative methods for healing from trauma and seeking a more fulfilling life. A lot of times on the podcast, we discuss triggering topics, and we ask that you make your personal mental health top priority. Uh, lastly, the opinions offered by our guests don't necessarily reflect the opinions of the hosts. Sit back, buckle up, and enjoy. So it's about time we got Sarah on here, huh? Right. Yeah. I was just, I was just thinking that, uh, we, you know, we, we, we first met Steve and and interacted with him a couple of times, but my interactions with Sarah have been equally as awesome. She's just so like grounded, like real down to earth and has, I love the way she views the world. She's awesome. Yeah. Well, and, uh, so passionate too. <laughs> I just wanted to, Very passionate. I wanted to keep this thing going and hear all of her stories. I mean, she, uh, spoiler alert, but she talks about like, a a few of her like key psychedelic experiences, but we only had time to kind of walk through one of them. But I was like, I just wanted to keep this one going for hours and just hear all of them. Oh, same. Like it was, man, that, that first experience she tells us about in uh, Amsterdam, yeah. I was cracking i was doing all i could to not just like man soul sister i love where you're at like i it was so it's such an awesome thing and i'm I'm the same way she kind of tells us like a like a little bit of half of another one you know she kind of yeah. like gives us a like a little teaser for the for the next time probably but man she's she is full of life i mean she's just like she's on fire I mean, I think I called her my spirit animal in this one. You did call her your spirit animal. And I, I don't, I don't uh, disagree with you. I, 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 she's awesome. Yeah. And so I think maybe after Mormon Palooza, we'll have her back on. Maybe we can hear another one of the, one of her stories as we kind of recap Mormon Palooza. So, because that's what, you know, one reason why we have Sarah on today. So, because we've been working with Steve and Sarah on Mormon Palooza. I mean, we say we've been working. I, Sarah's been doing. Sarah's been, yeah. We've been. I guess with her along the way and helping. Well, it's it's been so cool, right? I mean, Sarah just is so organized and she's in charge of this thing. And so she gives us tasks and we like whistle while we work and do those tasks. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like she has got the vision and she's like so efficient and, and just going going hard and she's a good boss to have, man. She's just like, okay, you guys do this, this, and this. We're like, at a, we're at it. We're on it. She's a great boss, right? She keeps things on, on, on track. She keeps us on track. And we know that that's a, that's a, an issue. Yeah, that's, <laughs> like a, that's a slippery, that's a slippery uh, uh, task for anybody. To keep yeah. But in. she also has, as you were saying, vision and you'll hear it in this episode Oh yeah, of what her vision is for Mormon Palooza and where it could go. I left there just fired up. Can't, like not, I just can't wait. And I can't wait to see what this develops into one year, two years from now. And Same. so much excitement. It's speaking to you being fired up, we like a little behind the scenes action here. Every, every time we record, um, soon as, soon as we're done, there's a phone call between uh, Mike and, and me. And I always kind of gauge how the episode went based on how our like, mood is how our energy is because like those things can be exhausting i mean we're we're really there you know yeah but a lot of times a lot of times they're actually uplifting and we just get like full of 
like all sorts of energy and almost like adrenaline kind of thing. And after this episode with Steve and Sarah Ricard, it was just like, holy shit, man, I'm going to go run through a brick wall. You know? Yeah. Uh, I think I even left them a voice mes- uh, message uh, after and just was like, yeah, I, I can't wait. Um, so we talked about Mormon Palooza in this one, so we don't have to plug it here at the beginning. Um, but anything else we should plug before we get this thing rolling? I don't, I mean, really, I don't think there's anything else to plug, right? Yeah. Just uh, enjoy. I mean, yeah, you'll get all the plugs at the end and uh, enjoy Sarah's story too, because it's a cool one. Great story. Great couple. Great people. Great people, right? I mean, like yeah. salt of the earth. Amazing. I, I, I we keep going, but it's they're, just, uh, they're myth. I, I wouldn't even call them mythic. The Sarah and Steve. <laughs> oh, they're very real. Very real. All right. Enjoy. Right on. Love you, Mike. Love you too. Enjoy the episode, everybody. Multiple times, we we've had someone say to us, "Ah, shit! I shouldn't have said that." speaking of their entire episode. And so we've just cut the entire episode out. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. How many uh, lost episodes do we have, Doug? Like four? I think it's four, maybe five. Yeah. That is so weird. (laughs) Yeah. They come and purge and then they're like, oh no, I can't have that be public. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. People tend to get vulnerable. And then that, that we call it the vulnerability hangover really, really catches up pretty quick, you know? Yeah, I don't have too much to hide, so we'll. That's amazing. Okay, but that's fun. that is interesting. But I would just say, be careful. Doug Doug casts a, a enchanting spell, and <laughs> pretty soon you'll be sharing things you just didn't even know. <laughs> so what, what's the smoke there, Doug? Are you infusing some lilac? Uh, I just no, it was just a little bit of Palo Santo. I I've got like a little. Oh, that's nice. Shrine here, and wow, I've, I've had a I've had a kind of a energetically heavy couple of days. And so I just was clearing out some of that and, and uh, bringing the heat to this conversation, you know? Cool. So you just burned that in the office. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so far so good. I, my, my, my team around here knows every, every few weeks I'll get my sage out and smudge the office and they know I do this kind of shit. So they're, they're pretty, they're pretty good about letting me be kind of my weird, my weird me. Good. They're just like, ah, some of Doug's hippie shit. Yeah. That's what they call it. They're in fact, when I was when, when I was just talking, I was like, all right, well, I got a I got a, a meeting at five. And the lady who was talking to me, she's our HR director. She was like, Oh, you doing hippie shit tonight? And I was like, Yeah. So it's pretty good. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> I we all we have our little rituals we do here. I got all my crystals and candles and we, we try to we try to just invoke. What, what whatever spirit we want, what spirit we want to invoke tonight, and we'll try to invoke it. <laughs> I'm fun, fun, fun. I just I just mowed through a bag of barbecue potato chips. <laughs> hey, that sounds pretty good. What what uh, what brand? Kettle. Oh, so yeah, good. Little thick. I like them a little thinner, but that's all right. Are they aren't those kettle ones supposed to be like some kind of like oh these are a little healthier for you somehow? And I'm always like no, they're all just chips. They all no, just taste like nice. chips. You know, there's there's no natural flavor like barbecue potato chip flavor, but that might be the best flavor in the universe. You're hey, preach. You are preaching to the choir, Steve. I love I'll eat barbecue potato chips until I get like sores in my mouth. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs>
last week I had the greatest potato chip in my life. Really? What's that? They're at Trader Joe's right now. And I just had to look it up to tell you what, it's a mix of potato chips. It sounds weird, but they're so fucking good. They're doing these mixes a now. A medley, wow. Yeah. yeah, so you've got, it says, what does it say? Bag of sea salts. So they have, they have in there, they have bar- sweet, smoking sweet barbecue, uh, ketchup, delicious dill. So it's like pickle slash uh-huh. sea salt and vinegar. And it, they're all mixed in there and you'll eat the entire bag in like That's one. Awesome. All in one bag. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like a, sounds like a cheeseburger in a, in a bag of chips to me. Yeah. It's delicious. <laughs> and then that's who's sponsoring this episode, by the way, sponsored by Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That, that just feels like it goes against nature. I mean, to mix them. Yeah. I think Republicans should ban that. <laughs> I, I don't want my salt and vinegar chips mixing with the barbecue chips. That's not how God made them. Oh, that's funny. Or is it more that they don't want the, the ketchup chips to be mixing with the other ketchup chicks chips? You know, oh, that's I mean? a good yeah. question. Yeah. You got to have the, yeah. Where are we going with this, guys? <laughs> that's not how God intended for chips to be. <laughs> ketchup chips going around in your mouth with other ketchup chick chips. It's a little bit, uh, I don't know. I can't Let's handle it. there. A little gay. <laughs> Hey, we're Sarah, off to welcome. Start here. What's that, Steve? We're off to banging start. Oh, yeah. We usually <laughs> like to talk chips. Welcome to Chips Hour with Mike and Doug. We're our special guests today, Steve and Sarah. <laughs> By the way, before we get into Sarah's story, I think maybe just for a disclaimer, we have to say that this episode is really not sponsored by Trader Joe's. <laughs> but if yeah. they want to, they can reach out at Mormons yeah. uh, on Mushrooms Pod at gmail.com. Um, but Sarah, welcome. This is your first time. Steve's been on a couple of times. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. Yeah, we're excited to have you. It's it's funny, Sarah. It's been fun getting to know you. You know, the you, you talked about it before we started recording. How you know all of the magic that happens uh, through the divine assembly, through what the two of you are doing. It's like you know, there's there's got to be on the back end. There's got to be someone that's foundationally putting together the, the logistics of this. Who's attention to detail who knows how to like it's not just like okay everybody show up and we're gonna have a good time <laughs> and as as we've interacted uh, multiple times i've i've just really appreciated and, and gotten to to know that about you it, 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 has it always been that way is it like a a, a a itch you need to scratch or is that like you've been you've been with steve for so long that you're like all right someone's got to take care of the logistics around here no, I, I've always been that way. You know, I was that was the role I played in my family of origin. And, uh, you know, when Steve and I dated, he was shockingly kind of a mess. And, you know, his glasses were broken and literally taped together. He was using uh, expired temporary driver's license. His car <laughs> hadn't been registered in forever. And to me, I'm like, oh, I know what to do with all of this. I can, I can put all this together. You know, a month married, and I'm like, well, now what? She married a project. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I was too young. We were both too young to realize that, but we've laughed about it over the years because, yeah, he's he thinks big and he thinks, you know, in ways that I can't. And then I kind of 
hear a lot of what he explores and I can go, okay, some of this feels too out of the park, but some of this we can do. And I start to put the practicality to his big ideas. Gosh, I love that. I love the practicality side. I'm curious about your experience and we'll get into it. I'm kind of jumping ahead, I think, but so your experience with the church or, or even more specifically leaving. Yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of times a, a more pragmatic person, someone who's kind of got that, that, that common sense. I, I, I hate saying common sense because it's kind of uncommon, but it's almost like those dominoes start to fall pretty quickly. And you're just like, Oh shit, I can, I can diagram this shit out. It's, it's pretty easy. You know, once, once it, once that, once that first shelf item breaks or once that domino is ticked. Yeah. For me, it was the phrase that just kept for probably a couple of years kept running through my mind is all of it's true or none of it's true. Yeah. And the minute one thing wasn't true, then do, 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 it's exactly what you said. Every domino, like it was almost instantaneous for me. And do you remember what that thing was? Um, No. No, I, I could probably come up with it, but it, I mean, it just, it's not important. Yeah. You know, right. it, <laughs> oh, and it's, and it's, it's fascinating just because I, I, the only reason why I ask is because it feel like it's, you can ask 200 ex Mormons and get 200 different answers. Right. Yeah. Right. On what that thing is. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it was a chance for me to go. And then once I understood, well, then none of it's true. Then I just, yeah, I had it. It had taken enough of my time. I think it was some breach of the Triwizard Tournament. <laughs> <laughs> now, I actually, as you're saying it, we had a bishop who I still love and adore. He's a dear friend, and he ended up getting arrested and um, going to jail for some things. And the way our ward just dried up, like it, there were all the lots of performatory forgiveness and, and, you know, taking care of, and then they just all disappeared out of his life and his wife's life and their kids. And it was, I was like, Oh, where'd everybody go? This is what we do. And it was awful. Yeah, it, it was broke a, my heart. It was a brutal shining of his wife and kids. So they hadn't done anything. Yeah, it was awful. So yeah, that's when I was like, Oh, this is all just fiction. And can we, can we dig into that a little bit? The experience with, uh, with your Bishop and, and kind of the way you described it, the ward dried up and, it, but also there's that, um, outward display from people yeah. of showing, you know, publicly stating like, this is how I'm dealing with it and my forgiveness. And it's almost like to, it, it, you know, we, we humans like to take any kind of thing that's going on and, and say, how, do, how is this about me? Right. How, how, how can I gain from this? Yeah. And I often wonder, I, I often do like self checks about how sincere am I? Like, what am I, do I, do I put my money where my mouth is when I talk about love, when I talk about like unconditional love, when I talk about, um, you know, being there for someone or, 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 you know, a lot of the words that we use in this, in this kind of thing is holding space or in that container. Am I really doing that? Or am I just performatively tapping into my Mormonism and just wanting people to think that I'm doing it. And that, that's, that's been a, that's been a topic heavy in my mind lately, actually. So that, that, that wasn't a question. That no, was that a wasn't a question. I'm waiting. That wasn't a statement. <laughs> um, 
But for me, as you were talking about that, it really brought up that, that, that sense of, okay, I see that in others. I see, I see when people are doing those performative things, am I looking in the mirror? Like, am I, am I really seeing it in myself? And when, when you described his wife and children kind of being ostracized or, or, you know, kind of de facto excommunicated from the lives of so many people in that ward, you, you said he was still a close friend of yours. Good dude. I all that kind of stuff. What was yeah. that like? What was that like for you two to observe that? Um, it was, it really, you know, I stayed, I said this already. It broke my heart. It was, it was awful to watch. It ended up and I'm, it ended up being an extraordinary burden on our family um, in, in these ways, you know, his, the family didn't have much money. So, she we she wanted to get down the wife wanted to get down to see him about every other month or so and so i thought oh well i'll take a turn and drive her down and and that just didn't happen um you know occasionally we had a couple people step in and and do some of that but it ended up being you know trips for us and we're glad to do it you know i don't mean to question any of that but it was it was a lot. I was, you know, I had a lot on my plate at the time and uh, Steve did as well. And so, you know, it was, it ended up being something I thought we would share as a group and we didn't. Um, but then, you know, my kids were friends with their kids. And so that impacted us. And, you know, it was, this is one of the shocking things to me. Our Bishop lived next door to us then us, then a house, and then this family. So they're right here. There's here's four houses right in a row. And she ended up losing her home, having to move out. And the Bishop never went to her house. He couldn't be bothered to go three houses over and to see how she was. And he just kept saying, Oh, other people are visiting. And I'd say, who are visiting? Who's visiting you? And she's like, nobody, nobody's coming. You're the only person. And I'm like, this is all bullshit. You know, it's not, it's not okay. Who is more important in your ward right now than this person? Yeah. And these, she had a one-year-old child. She had five kids at home, including from like 13 down to one. And it just, you know, anyway, it was, that was all tough. You can see I'm still triggered by some of that. Well, I'm getting triggered by it because it just becomes like, I don't know, this, um, I mean, Doug and I recorded an episode this week and we, we, t- we talked a little bit about the, um, the, the good hearted members of the church and, and how the, 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 the members are, it, we always say that the church is, we grow up saying, I guess, that the church is true and the members are, are imperfect. Right. right, right. But the, the members have these really do have these good hearts. Uh, most of them. Um, but, the, and, and willing to serve, but that service, it's also, becomes incestuous, right? Like we will do it with in our own, but as soon as someone's outside of that, then it's scary. Then it's not, it's not outreach. Like you see with a lot of other Christian churches or not even Christian churches, other churches or other organizations, it's incestuous a lot of the times. That's an interesting word, but yeah, it's uh, I think you're absolutely right about that. Well, and I think part of the deal is that when we're active in the church, we're not really authentic humans. And when the veneer comes off, right, 
you know, in, in any way, when someone stumbles, trips, falls, is covered with some mud. And when the veneer comes off, uh, we just don't know how to deal with those people. Right. Because it's all of a sudden, well, we don't understand and we don't know where they're coming from. They probably hate us. They probably, you know, my brother was a good example to me. I don't not. He had a friend arrested when they were young in their early 20s. And he was one of the very few that would just go often and visit this friend. And I remember thinking, oh, yeah, that's what we do. And so, you know, I was perfectly ready to go. Well, this was a mistake you made. And, um, you know, how are we all going to help help out with this? But I yeah, I don't think I've been afraid like some people are to face some of those demons. They those those are those are things that don't scare me. So it was easier for me. I didn't realize at the time how scared other people would be by some of that. You know, it was it was not fun to go to a prison and sometimes you'd get rid, they wouldn't let you in. And sometimes, you you know, it was not a smooth process and it was, it was very weird to be in that situation, but it's a human experience. And it's, this is, it didn't matter what my feelings were. This was, I was trying to visit someone who was in a far more desperate situation than, than me. Who cares what my comfort level is, right? It's, isn't that what we're supposed to do as humans? Well, as humans, and it's it's funny, uh, you just said comfort. You just said comfort those people. And a lot of times we like to throw around the, you know, mourn with those. Right. Mourn with those, mourn mourn. With those who mourn. But p- the second part of that is to comfort those in need of comfort. Yeah. Well, who fucking needs more comforting than someone who's, made a life altering mistake or decision and is sitting there in a, a prison or in the, in, in the prison. They literally mind. sing hymns about visiting people in prison. Right. I, exactly. I, that's why I kept saying, this is what we do. <laughs> and oh. usually yeah. it's metaphorical, but here it's literal. And where are you? Yeah. Gosh. Well, but even, even more than him, you know, he did or in addition to him, he did something yeah. now, you know, we could go deep into mental health. That's why he did what he did. And, you know, rough situation. But here was his wife. She had no idea what the hell was <laughs> going on. She didn't do anything. All these kids. I mean, you know, he was taken care of. He he, he had three meals and a bed. Yeah. He wasn't going to be kicked out of a house. He wasn't. And. So her needs were just profound. And, you know, man, when he was bishop, they were the rock stars of the ward, the neighborhood. And everyone, the stake even. Everyone loved them. Yeah. And all of a sudden that love just completely evaporated against all of them because he had, like, embarrassed the tribe or something. Yeah. It was awful. Reminds me a little bit. So I'll just tell a quick thing with them. On my mission, one of a big shelf item for me was – you know, it's similarly, we were talking about we seeing about visiting people in prisons and uh, the uh, we're taught in the scriptures to teach among, you know, the, the the lowliest and the poor. And I get on my mission and my mission president would always preach. We need to go after wealthy men, wealthy men. And that was a big sh- and I, I get what, you know, because the priesthood and they need lead, whatever. But like it felt so wrong to me. It's like this is anytime I crack open the scriptures in the morning, it's talking about. Don't go to the yeah. Man of grief. Yes, I mean, that's yes. the whole thing, right? Yeah, 
Go to the people who've been cast out of the synagogues, not the people in the synagogues and in right. like, the, you know, but the woman, the, the, what is it? The beggars might. I mean, that's yeah. we hear those stories. The widows might. Thank you. Yeah, But yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was just floored me. Gosh, that is that is really hitting me because it's so easy to. Um, it's so easy to love people who are easy to love, you know? And what kind of fucking challenge is that? Like, why, why do we need, why do we need the concept of a, of a savior or a Messiah? If his whole message is like, stay in your echo chambers and stay in your comfort zones and love the people that you already love. It's like, well, no, no shit. (laughs) That's the easy part. We don't need lessons on that. I don't need to go to school. I don't need to go to Sunday school every week to be like, Hey, keep doing what you're doing. No, The message is like, go out of your comfort zone. Maybe the people who have fucked up or the people who have, um, you know, just mental health. Steve, you mentioned mental health. The people who are in in some kind of need. Yeah. Maybe they're the ones that we ought to extend that uh, that 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 love to. Maybe, maybe they're the ones who need to be comforted or mourned with, not the ones who are like, yeah, things are great. I let's 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 go to dinner. <laughs> it's like, duh. Well, of course, I'm going to do that already. Yeah. Uh- well, I doubt we're ready to go there yet in the conversation, but I'll give a little teaser for Mormon Palooza. You know, I think part of this phenomenon is the heavy correlation centralization of Mormonism, that everything is kind of homogenized, right? I mean, that's the way the tribe likes it is we all do the same things. We think about the same things. We say the same things. And so when someone breaks the mold, that freaks us out. It scares us. And you know, I think that's part of what we're trying to do with Mormon Palooza is just kind of as we all claim our autonomy and authentic identities, just to kind of celebrate, OK, we come from this common pool. But wow, look how people are going let's in these different directions. Celebrate the differences. Yeah, let's have some fun with that. Yeah. I love that. And I, I'm just trying to decide if we dive in there now or if we that was a good teaser, I think. That was a pretty damn good lead in. <laughs> Hey, Seth, you might want to cut that and put that in later. No, we're keeping it. We're oh, keeping that's it. good. We'll keep it and come back to it. That's what I think. Oh, um, I think it's a good tease. Um, and so <laughs> were you guys, uh, did you guys leave at the same, around the same time? Well, the way I tell the story and my memory of it is my switch flipped. So I, I even remember sitting in our little courtyard in front of our house And I said, I didn't want the kids to hear this. I said, I think I'm done. I think I don't believe anymore. I think, and of course we were going through this experience. So he knew that I was, I was the primary president and I'm like, I'm out. I don't think I can keep doing this. And he said, oh, good. I haven't believed in like a decade. So we talked a bit. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? And he said, well, I didn't want to hurt your faith. I didn't want to, you know, anything, which you probably would have, that would have, I grew up with a inactive father and a very ultra active mother. And there was tons of conflict around that. So that would have stressed me out, I think, if, cause I wasn't ready for it. But what's funny is I immediately stopped attending. I'm like, you're not getting one more minute of my time. And Steve kept going for a few years. The kids were going and he'd already been going for social reasons. So he just kept going. And I'm so 
the alarm bells went off in the ward because I stopped going. And I'm like, he hasn't freaking believed in a decade. I just found out. <laughs> yeah. So when this when this went down with the bishop, yeah, I had completely checked out mentally, but I had checked out of a lot of things by that point. So I was deep in my own shit. And so which I didn't know. So shit goes down with him. I'm like, hey, brother. Um, <laughs> but uh, he was a cool dude because, you know, a little before that. He uh, said, hey, uh, as a sitting bishop. Yeah. He said, hey, um, I want to talk with you during Sunday school. And I said, all right, you know where I'll be. So we went to Maverick together and got a Coke. So (laughs) he was he really was a good human. But so I don't think Sarah knows this. And I keep forgetting all of these things. So drip by drip, she she gets this stuff. So, um, yeah, I was I was deep into a lot of things at this point. So his wife. You know, when he was going to the pokey, you know, she found a stash of a bunch bunch of his Oxycontin and stuff. And so she was worried he was going to take it all at once in OD. And so she handed it to me and she said, will you take care of these? And I'm like, why? Yes, I will. (laughs) So, yeah, that that gave me a stash for a month or so. (laughs) So you were just you were done. You're out. Like, yeah. 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 I was done. And, you know, I wanted to give my kids a little freedom. I was doing what a lot of other people do as they leave. I didn't have a great anchor. I didn't know how this was going to impact my marriage. I didn't know how it was going to impact. You know, I had one child in college and the others in high school or you know junior high. So they were in these very, you know, these years that matter. I guess every year matters. But, you know, these teenage years and I have, we have three daughters and a son, and I suspected my son would go on a mission, you know, because all his friends were super active. He was, he ended up being the only one not to go. Um, but I wanted to give them all space to make some of those decisions because yeah. here's something we handed them and something, you know, I bore testimony to for all these years of their life. And I didn't want to just completely pull the rug out from under them. I was pretty honest about where I was and what I was thinking. I tried to do that with my kids, um, tried to be honest with, you know, about what Steve was dealing with so that they could make their own decisions. But yeah, as far as attending, I was, you couldn't have forced me to give one more second because I felt like I gave so much, you know, I was, I won 10 everything. And, you know, the, these men loved me because I did all the work and I was so smart and I, you know, I, so I had all the callings and, you know, I, and I was so differential to them. Oh, it's so gross. Um, You know, there was one time I, I do remember this story. It was this same Bishop and I, he and I, you know, we were friends, so I could kind of say some things to him and, you know, the, we, it was a ward council and we were covering some topic. And then he asked all the women to leave so the men could make the decision. And I was the last one out. And I turned around and I said in front of everybody, you know, I'm the smartest person in this room. It's <laughs> foolish. You are sending me out. And I left and oh, yeah. I, you know, I was, I'm like, I don't usually think that about myself. I'm not super arrogant, but I'm looking around going, I get why you're sending some of these other people out, <laughs> but why are you keeping him in and you're kicking me out? Because there's a clear, uh, a clear differenti- differentiation, but uh, or clear difference. So, 
yeah, it's a, uh, you know, I had those kinds of experiences. Gosh, that's, that's so interesting. The way the two of you handled it kind of differently, you know, I, I, Sarah, that's, that's right in line with what we, what I know about you is like, you have that moment where you turn to Steve and you're like, okay, listen, I don't, I, I'm not going back. And then you stick to your guns. You're like, you don't go back. And meanwhile, Steve says to you, like, I've been keeping my lack of uh, belief to myself for 10 years. Every, we, we all handle that so differently. And, and yet we're, yeah. a lot of us are just so afraid. You know, this is a, this is a, a very personal topic. This idea of like on an individual level, what do you believe about the divine? What do you believe about the existence of, of human beings? Like what, like you, you wouldn't just like, like haphazardly have that conversation with a person yet with within a lot of dogmatic structured religions like Mormonism, it's like a thought crime. It, like even to say, Hey, I just don't know that I agree with all of these things that you guys are saying. That's it's, it's terrifying to even allow yourself to think that way. It's, it's terrifying at the, at the thought of what is this going to do to my family? What is this going to do to my social network? What is this going to do to my, uh, like at work, what could it possibly do? You know, that was a big concern for me when I first left the church was like, am I going to get fired about it? You know? Well, and so- yeah, I totally get that for me. It was because I didn't have work, right. I had, I was starting to do some things outside of the home, but I was digging in on being that homemaker, even though it went totally against who I am, I was doing it. And I, a lot of my validation, a lot of the boxes that I needed ticked, that all happened through church systems. So to lose all of that I was, yeah, I absolutely was a little floored going, okay, what do I do now? And coincidentally, I was building a business at that time and it was starting to have some success. So, you know, I I was able to turn my attention there. I was less desperate than I thought I'd be, but it was shocking how few people checked in and how they were scared of me. You know, they were scared because they knew I would have a con. You want to have the conversation? Let's have it. Um, I'll tell you exactly what I'm thinking. And um, that was, you know, I'm learning. Not everybody is comfortable with conflict the way I am. Well, and the the fear is right back to what we started with, Sarah, when you, when you quoted the either it's all true or, or none of it's true, right? right? Because right. The, the, the fear of, of allowing, uh, I can't believe I'm saying that word, but allowing people access to you yeah, is that people do know you're smart. They do know you're well-spoken. They do know you have like a, a, a pragmatic, a pragmatism to you. And so it's like, it's terrifying for someone to be like, okay, um, yeah, go hang out with Sarah because then it's like, oh, but what if she touches on that thing right. that makes the whole thing topple, you know? Right. It's a fear. I, I, that's, I think that's what happened. I had one friend and one couple, he was our home teacher at the time. And she and I, we were doing a little work together. So I felt like I needed to be honest with them. So I sat down with them and told them the whole thing. And, and she sent me this beautiful note. I have it somewhere, but it was, I mean, it was, and she would laugh about it now, but it was something to the effect of, I totally see what's happened. You're a strong soul and Satan has your heart and he's led you astray. 
And, you know, this is the way he works. And, and she still was, it was all with love. And I just, you know, and she did it with love. And I knew what she was doing because I would have sent the exact same kind of note. Well, I don't know exact, but I would have, I wouldn't have been afraid to send a note saying, Hey, you know, whatever you're dealing with, I love you. And, and, but it was funny because yeah, she's since, um, (laughs) put a lot of questions to her beliefs. So uh, yeah, she wouldn't send that note now. Oh, I love that. But he was our home teacher and still when he comes to visit us here in Salt Lake, he'll still call it a home teaching visit. And somehow he thinks he's getting points in heaven. He, of course he's, be, he's having a drink with us. So he's being yeah. Yeah, silly. When, but. When, when the church made the change to ministry, I, called him up. I said, no, no, no. We, we, we locked in on the old system. You're our home teacher for life. We're grandfathered in. We're grandfathered in a home teacher. That's teaching. exactly right. That's exactly right. So, yeah. So you know, we have good people, good people out there. Um, so you leaving Sarah, uh, how was your mental health at the time? We've talked about Steve, um, and, and I, I was just looking it up just to make sure I reference it right. Yeah. But episode 20, Steve tells that story about, you know, where he was at and, and it's going through a really rough time. Yeah. Um, uh, how are you? How are you at this time? <laughs> I was m- mentally, I think I was fine. I don't have the same kind of, I for sure have my own mental health hangups, but I don't think I was impacted quite the way Steve was. I, but it, it the leaving the church was was hurting my mental health. It was because again, it was that anchor. It, it was, you know, all the, the, what is the word when, when it's so definite, you know, it, all the answers were there. And to, so to have ambiguity, to have unknowns that I did not like that. I felt really comfortable having the answer sheet and having the church tell me the way it was. And so that, hurt. That was really tough for me. And then more than leaving the church, you know, I'm referencing Steve's story. We were dealing with our marriage issues at the time, you know, so more than how was my mental health? It was, are we going to stay married? You know, are we going to, can I help Steve and is Steve willing to get to a healthy place so that we can even consider what our future might look like? Um, so that was, I didn't have a, I didn't have the space to have any mental health issues. Um, you know, I was trying to keep him alive and, and keep the kids, you know, keep things as level as possible for the kids. Now I will say a couple years later when Steve felt super healthy or more healthy, we were, you know, kind of established in Salt Lake and some things were happening there. I had a extremely low year. It was probably my most, the most dangerous year I had. So I, I kind of compartmentalized things, put it aside, but that's what then led to our first ayahuasca session. So it, it just, you know, it, it was that year, um, leading up to that, that I was like, I, I can't keep doing this. This is, I'm as unhealthy as I've ever been. Oh, yeah, it was fascinating that we kind of teeter tottered on that. I mean, you know, I was, as we've discussed, clearly on the brink. And uh, then, yeah, as I started to heal, Sarah had felt 
room to yeah, I mourn, to, to, to be sad, to be unstable. I, you know, I hear that when, or, and I'm familiar with friends um, and people I know who have lost children and you kind of take turns in your grief. And I think that is what was happening is um, I didn't have the space. I did. I had no bandwidth to fall apart. Um, and then the minute I could, I did. I think there's something with humans, especially when you're in close relationship with humans that we kind of energetically know. Yeah. Can this person hold it? Where we try to check in and like, I kind of fill it out. Like, can you hold this right now? Can you, you know, and if, if not, it's like, okay, all right, I'm holding you. I can do it. You know, and, and it's not always this, that clean, but it, I just noticed it with my mate. We just kind of got, we trade back and forth even now, like hard weeks or hard days. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. I'm, I'm going to say it was more than a year. It was, you know, it was like two years or something. I think that you were kind of catatonic. You just kind of oh, hid. Was it okay? You kind of hid from the world, but yeah. then it's interesting. After that, I I received a lot of fire. I mean, there was incoming from Sarah, and <laughs> and it's interesting that you know that's part of my process of maturation. I'd even say, you know, learning to love is just being more grounded to receive that because yeah. I deserve all of it, and so you know, just nice to kind of be in a place where Sarah could just and still can just say, you know, what was pretty shitty. And yeah. And we do that a lot still when we, you know, sometimes when we journey together on different substances, you know, it's, it allows us both that chance to be a little more vulnerable and open up to each other. And yeah, so we have some, you know, we're still healing, you know, those, those things don't go away quick, but I want to tell you something awesome about Sarah despite all my fuckery <laughs> she never once you know even if we're pissed at each other whatever it is she never once has thrown it in my face and said well you you know did nice. x y and z which i think that's pretty amazing that you know that is. even as she heals even as you know we realize that i need to make amends and you know, still mess up and Samaria's never once as she said, well, you're the fucker who X, Y, or Z. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's way cool. That's, that's love. It's, it's, um, it's, I hate to say triggering things, but it's more Christ-like than I typically <laughs> see. Um, yeah. You know, in those, in those types of, in those types of dynamics and, and relationships. I, I would like to just address something um, that y'all said uh, a few minutes ago. You know, Sarah, you and I were talking about how that's a scary step because you start worrying about, I mentioned family, social, and work. And then you mentioned, well, my whole fucking livelihood, like we, we had been in the, in the homemaker kind of deal and you were, you were building a business and that kind of thing. And that's, I mean, that's even more intense, I think. But then what happens is you're worried about all of that stuff. And the stuff that's even scarier is exactly what you talked about is that, oh shit, now I don't have any answers. Right. Now, now what? Now, now how do I even. How do I even start? Start. Yes. To rebuild this concept of me or this identity or this, this, this thing of what do I, what do I even think is going on in the world around me? That becomes a real terrifying thing. And it does really affect, 
you know, for, for the, for those who are, uh, you know, prone to, when I say those, I'm talking about human beings who are prone to anxiety and depression and mental health issues. It's like, Oh man, you can get lost in the, in the uh, chaos. You can get, you can get lost in the meaninglessness of it all. You, You can get lost in that kind of stuff. And it is way heavier than, you know, the conversation that I had with my wife where I told her I didn't believe, or when my, my friend group started kind of being a little weird around me because they knew that I was, uh, because I, I started looking like this and people were like, well, shit, that guy looks wrong for passing the sacrament. You know, it's so heavy. And I, 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 I don't know that we talk enough about that as far as like all of those dynamics that we worry about, they, they kind of, they, they, sometimes for people, they're really heavy and they happen and it's like a nightmare, but more often than not, the real thing is internal. It's that internal thing of how do I approach the world? How do I approach the concepts of love and joy and pain and anger and that kind of stuff without having that couched in, here's what Nephi said about it. Right. Yeah, right. And, you know, I often, in fact, I had a conversation with my daughter this week And she's heard this before. I have the same, you know, I'm like every parent. I have the same things I say over and over again. But I have said the scariest things in life are the transitions. It's, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. You don't know where you're headed. You don't know what's on the other side. And so there's an element of you're having to trust. You're having, and, you know, transitions are a little easier when you have think you know what's going to be on the other side so yeah to lose all of that to lose those anchor points and then to be in the biggest most major transition of your life you know I will say I had something I know a lot of people I did not have the so this is a bit of a privilege for me I did not have my family of origin that I ha- that I thought I might lose th- because of the church. My mother is so I'm I come from eight siblings. When I finally started to say, I, I remember calling my sister and she was the branch president's wife. And I called her and said, I I think I don't believe anymore. And she said, Oh, I haven't been to church in three months. And I said, Wait, what? And then she said, and our little brother. You know, and again, he's, you know, 40 at the time, but he he hasn't been going. And, you know, and she we started putting a couple of dots together and everybody was transitioning out, except even to this day, my mother and one sister um, are in. But I didn't have to worry about that like some people do. Right. I have a friend. She's losing her entire family. And that feels oh. so scary because that has been her rock. And, you know, we didn't have that. We had our other things happening, but yeah, we didn't have that. Well, a a couple tweaks on what you said. These are just my personal tweaks, my my view of the situation. So, yeah, I I didn't want to disrupt your faith after I no longer believed. But part of that also is I didn't, even though I knew it was bullshit, I didn't want to disrupt the stability of our family. I I knew that I was teetering on the edge. And, you know, I just at that point thought that the church provided, you know, solid foundation 
solid mooring. So I wanted continuation of that. So I didn't want to torpedo your faith. And then once you were out and weren't going anymore, and I realized, okay, we're not doing this. Part of the reason I kept going, you know, is that our youngest daughter wanted to keep going and she was very impressionable at the time. And I wanted to sit next to her at the church. Yeah. You know, having come from a family where we joined me and my brother, my mom, my dad didn't join. So none of these people knew my dad, but, you know, they were just sure he was the devil because he wasn't at church. (laughs) And so, you know, I'd be double the devil. Sarah would be a devil because we left the church. So I just didn't want people adopting her. Someone else grabbing and and just creating that division between her and us, which. I guarantee you that would have happened. Yeah. That's how it goes. Don't follow your evil, horrible, stupid, bad parents. Follow God. Spend Sunday with us because we're about family. <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> uh, not the commercial. You keep talking about the, the referencing anchor points. Yeah. I think that's a lot what we search for as humans is like, you know, are we in, you know, I almost picture, and we talk about this quite a bit on the podcast, like the 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 Mormon myth that we grew up with of the mists of darkness and the iron rod. And the iron rod is that anchor point for our lives, right? And so as long as we're there, that's the anchor. And then it's like you see people start to travel in the mists of darkness and be like, oh, can I can I follow this person? Wait, who's my anchor now? Or, or what can I anchor to as yeah. I kind of take my own journey through life? And it's scary. And what I've kind of found is that we're all charting, even though we're all leaving the church and we can help each other, our paths are also so individual that we hit a hit many points where we're like, oh, there, there's no anchor in this part of the woods. Well, there can be, and you just have to learn. They don't look like you're used to seeing them. So you have to, you have to learn what they look like. And for me, what has, there's just no question. You see this in TDA a lot um, with the divine assembly. I, and we'll get into this as we get into some of my psychedelic experiences. I believe we are whole as we are. And if you're looking for anchors, if you're looking for something to follow, you're, you shouldn't be following anybody but yourself. Yes. You shouldn't be looking for anchors from anybody but yourself. Now, just like with kids, you know, as you're getting started, you might need to cling to somebody else's or you might need to, you know, you're looking for information, but your ultimate goal should be you being an autonomous person, making decisions for yourself with anchors that you have created. As much, you know, Steve and I were going to celebrate 32 years next week. We've had to do a ton of work to separate and to create create autonomy with ourselves because we were doing it wrong. <laughs> I think we were clinging to each other, and even that was wrong. You know, we I have to stand alone. So, how do you do that? I, I mean, well transitioned, you two. I, I hear, I see what you're up to, but like, how do we help? ourselves, first of all, and how do we help others understand this thing? Because, you know, the two of you, let's talk the divine assembly, right? How do we, how do we make sure people don't just 
hop from one anchor point to the next and say, okay, Sarah, okay, Steve, tell me now how to live my life. Like, tell me what the tenants are of my new thing. Right. How do we do it? How? So if you have answers, jump in. But I think a big part of what we're doing is as humans and in this experience is we're having to figure out what are what makes sense to our brain, to our heart, you know, to to our internal self. And for a lot of us, we haven't even we haven't been listening to that. We've been listening to outside voices. And so this is me. And it's so I'm listening to outside voices from the pulpit. And then I'm looking to Steve because he's the priesthood holder. He's supposed to be the head of our family, even though I'm doing the freaking day-to-day work. I'm looking at him <laughs> going, what do you think we should do about? And he's like, I don't know. But I'm like, but you're, you get the magical answers, right? So it's, I, I think the first thing is you have to help people understand that's what they need to be seeking. It's easy to give away our power to somebody else. And it's so, some people that's all they want. They just want to give it away so they don't have to have the consequences or the make the hard decisions. If you're willing to do the real work, you have to dig in and figure out who you are. You have to figure out what your anchor points look like. Oh, man. Yeah, uh, it's that intuition thing, right? It, it's, 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 we've been, we've been uh, conditioned. This, this reminds me of the conversation, Mike, with Ashley Easter. It's that, it's that thing of like, we've got, we've been conditioned to hear so many conflicting voices, it, it, for lack of a better terminology, voices in our head. Yeah. That we've almost, we've almost forgotten what our voice sound, what our intuition sounds like, right? Sometimes we never learned. We or never, we never, or we never learned to identify it. Right, yeah. right. I always had people telling me what to do. Yeah, you know, and let's talk about the space that the four of us enjoy: psychedelics. Um, <clears throat> I see uh, lots of cases where people leave the Mormon Church. But then they're just looking for the psychedelic version of it. They just find the the, the shaman, shaman, the guru, Dallin Oaks, who, yeah, a replacement Dallin Oaks that, you know, swings a fucking pendulum or whatever it is that takes the place of the priesthood. And that magic pendulum, like the priesthood, tells them how they should live their lives or it's, it's you know. Or even how much of something they should consume. How I'm like, stop. Oh, man, one guy, I swear to God, he was giving uh, remedies, you know, for like fixing eyes. I mean, are you kidding me? We have we have doctors that do that kind of stuff. But, yeah, you know, that really that really turns me in the post Mormon space where people are preying on others, bad programming, because we are man. Part of that programming we were talking earlier about leaving the space that programming is just screaming danger at us when we walk away from the iron rod, when we walk away from the mooring of Mormonism, everything is just absolutely frightening. And so when people are in that space, I just see plenty in the psychedelic realm. I see, you know, or they can call it coaching. I mean, whatever it is, 
where they just say, don't worry, I will tell you how to think. You don't need to find that autonomy. I will be your replacement, Dallin Oaks. And I just, it, it's, it's gross. It's cruel. I hate it. And, it. and it takes work to not do that, but that's the work we're here to do. You know, so I see it with Mormons on Mushrooms community. You, you guys started it, so you're the leaders of it. <laughs> but I can feel how you bristle at that, how you push away from it. And, um, you know, you ask about divine assembly. Well, we have one tenet, which is all about personal religious autonomy, that you can commune with the divine and receive direct guidance. And then we go ahead and specify that means no dogma, no hierarchy, no clergy, no one is above or below anyone else. And uh, and you can't if you're receiving guidance, I'm not receiving guidance for you. Yes, I'm not receiving guidance for Steve. Yes, You know, I might have things I need to that, that bring me insights of how to relate to Steve or how to connect to Steve. But it's not. I learned, Steve, that you need to do X, Y, and Z. That's not the way this works. Um, nobody's receiving revelations for other people. Now, Ooh, I am interesting. Gonna, that, we haven't talked about this. Oh, cool. there's a small clarification. I think you can for your young children. I agree with you that, can too. have some insight. Totally you might even that. have some insights for your adult children, but you're not getting full revelation for them, right? You're saying, hey, here's an idea I have for you, for your older kids. And then your younger kids, yeah, you can, you might have insights because yeah. they're fully your responsibility. My brain, my brain sparked some thoughts and I want to share them. Right. So that, that'd be the only little caveat. But I've noticed when that happens a lot, it's more like, how can I interact better with my children or how can I right. be That's there for them? Yeah, because they're gonna ha- they're gonna have to go through their own shit. But how can I be more present with them and hold space for them while they're going through that? I'm just loving. This is like such a timely conversation for me. Yeah, it is. So selfishly, um, <laughs> thank you because I'm not used to being in the public space at all. This is fucking new to both of us, Doug. You know, with with our with our stuff, and it, it's hard when you hear sometimes comment or you know. You're in the public space. People can say what they want and they're welcome to. And, but for me, this week has been very challenging to now go, okay. And I found that what's helped is to go to my intention and be like inside and kind of turn off the noise, but like, what, what's my intention? And my intention's coming from a pure place. I can trust that. I can trust me in here. And what I want to create, what I want to birth, what I want to, how I, I, how I want to move through the world and in a pure way to, yeah. And, and trust that intention. And that's helped. Um, and this discussion's like, it's helping a lot. <laughs> well, and you, you learn that you can't really, just like you can't receive revelation for others, you really can't control others journey or the projections. I mean, speaking of being the public eye, I mean, the two of you were just, uh, featured in a in a big old juicy article in Rolling Stone magazine yeah. about about what the work that you're doing about the, your journey you know yeah. and i i i came across you know it had been posted on reddit and so of course there's you know all the comments and stuff like that and it's immediately just like anything on the internet it's immediately like people like oh well yeah these mormons they left one religion for another or oh this 
this couple thinks that they're the they're the new the prophets, new and it's like right. no, none of that shit is happening. What what are you? Why are you accusing them who you've never met? Like yeah. you are just some weird person from the internet. How could you possibly accuse them of shit you don't know anything about? But it's like, okay, Doug, check yourself. You can't control how people experience the world. Just like I don't want to get revelation for other people, I also don't want to try to control other people's the way they think, the way they uh, process information, the way that they uh, project onto others, and, and including uh, me or my family. I, I don't. That that's a that's a that's a burden to 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 so to so strongly state. Listen, no one's receiving revelation for you, but you. The flip side of that, there's a balance to that. There's got to be a counterweight. And the flip side of that is like, also, pe- people gonna people are gonna do crazy fucking shit. <laughs> like they're just yeah. gonna do it, right? Yeah. So I think a big part of getting into this space is understanding what some of those red flags are. You know, including things like if you're if you have a a guide or a shaman who's not willing to tell you what you're about to take. Or what mm. do, in what dosages or psychedelic secret sauce? You know, because they have the magic mixture. That to me. me is a big red flag. You should know exactly what you're taking. You should know how much. You can even you know kind of record it so you know how you respond to it. And yeah, anytime there are secrets like that, that to me is a red flag. Now I have friends, uh, a dear friend, and she was um, she was hosting things in her home with a shaman who was doing that. And once she realized how dangerous that was, you know, she was just thinking, oh, we found the guy who has the secret sauce. And once she realized the danger of it, she immediately stopped hosting. She wouldn't work with him anymore. You know, she, 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 so people can learn and we can make mistakes. And hopefully in those mistakes, you're not getting hurt. It's not creating more trauma for you. Um, But those are the things that can be scary is trauma can happen in those situations when you are putting yourself in a situation that ultimately ends up being unsafe because, you know, these are vulnerable spaces. So Doug, I'm still stuck on the Reddit commentary. Um, That is, that is so funny, you know, being in the legislature 16 years in politics I have just massively trained myself to never give a shit what anyone says about me. I didn't know people were talking shit about us. <laughs> well, just to, just to clarify, it was, you know, it, it was tons of positive stuff, but there's also always going to be like, you can walk out, you can post on Reddit or, or the, any, any internet forum, you know, my kids are this way. I, I, I made fun of them recently in front of you, Mike. I was like, honestly, the two of you, I could, I could say, what letter does the alphabet start with? And one of them would say A, and the other one would be like, no, technically dad asked, what letter does the elf alphabet start with? So it's T, I mean, they, they would fight about anything. That, and that's, the internet is that times 10 billion yeah. percent. Yeah. You know, it's just like, okay, someone has said something and I take offense to that and I am going to go to the mattresses. So yeah, it was mostly positive stuff, but I just, you can't help but see that shit where people are like, oh, into the frying pan, out of the frying pan, into the fire. <laughs> well, but that's the funny thing is I can miss it. And I always intentionally do. I mean, if someone, you know, because I have this happen all the time 
you know, and I imagine you guys get this too, because, you know, you started something and anytime you do something, someone's going to talk shit. So all I mean, we were, time, we were called douche time. canoes today. Huh? We were called douche canoes this week. That was a good time. <laughs> um, well, okay to keep that in or we cut that part. <laughs> that's fine. Okay. So, uh, people will come up to me and especially it's like people up on the Capitol where, you know, people just chirp all day on the Capitol. They'll say, Oh my God, have you heard what so-and-so saying about you? And I say, no. And they say, he, I'm like, and I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I never let anyone fish that. I'm like, truly, I don't care. Cause the reality now I'm going to take it back. This is my, the mother in me. If you are anchored in your heart, in your mind, if you know where you need to be, none of the internet matters. None of the chirping matters. None of the comments matter because you know, and that's hard. It's hard when the wave is coming at you and you start going, wait, am I, you know, I think I'm anchored, but this feels like a big wave coming over me but you're anchored, you're anchored. You're going to be able to weather that wave. I love that. Wasn't it? I, I, I think it's, I, it could be someone less cool, but I think Mark Twain said something like other people's opinion of me is none of my business or something like that. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Very much. Well, I want to make sure we talk about more Mormon Palooza, but I do want to hear, we got at least one plant medicine story. Sarah, <laughs> so I don't know if you want to start with ayahuasca or a more meaningful one. Or, yeah, what's been? Oh, I, you know, I, I'm going to let you guys pick. How about so all three? I, my very first ayahuasca experience uh, was extremely practical. So I can talk about that. I can talk about when I realized what ayahuasca or what, um, Sorry, Steve was doing something. Uh, the oh, being autistic. I'm learning that I'm autistic thanks to TikTok, and what that felt like, and and kind of having some insights of that going through a journey. Or I actually recently had an incredible journey uh, dealing with my family of origin, which is a dumpster fire. And I just, I've been kind of dealing with that, what that feels like. I'm in the middle of that. So that might not be the one to talk about, but any, any thoughts? Um, I like magical ayahuasca stories. Uh, so that would be probably my, my first vote. Okay. Um, Mike, I I think was, let's go with that. Let's lean in and see what happens. See if we get the other, any others. Yeah. So, so my, you know, I'll be, I don't know. I'm not going to put your judgments on it ahead of time, but so I, I had been in therapy for a long time, you know, for a number of years since Steve, you know, this is probably going to be three or four years at this time since Steve's issues came to light. And we, and so we were in marriage therapy. I was doing my own personal therapy and I was so tired of thinking about all the same stuff. We just, it didn't feel like anything was being resolved. So I took a card, uh, a little card in to my therapist. And I said, all right, Bruce, <laughs> we are, we're, we're, we're going down the list. We're dealing with all of this. He's, I said, I am sick of this. I'm sick of thinking about it. 
We're just going to finish these up. We're going to wrap them all up and be done with it. And he said, well, that's not how therapy works. And I'm like, I just can't keep doing it. And we ended up having, I had the worst therapy session of my life and I was in tears and it was awful and I wanted to quit. So I left and two weeks later we were in Amsterdam where Steve was trying to find us an ayahuasca experience. So we, he finds one and it ends up being exactly what I want, which is, I'm not a big fan of group sessions. I just wanted me and Steve, I wanted it to be small. So we're in somebody's living room and um, she um, is kind of talking us through what do we want out of this? And Steve's like, I want all of it. The eagle feathers and the drums and the bells and the, and I'm like, yeah, I don't want anything. I just, I mean, no, I, I don't believe in this. And she was like trying to draw me out to kind of see what, you know, what my intentions were. And I did not, I was, I, this, I was in it. But I was not going to give them anything to, you know, go on. I was just, I was going to, I was, there's a big experiment for me, right? <laughs> Anytime anyone wants to touch her inner woo, have her get in touch with it. I'm just like, oh shit, this isn't going to go on. <laughs> it's never good. You know, she wanted us to pick our spirit animal and she want, and I'm just like, <laughs> just give me the, what, what are we drinking? What is this? <laughs> right? Sarah, I was about I was about to call you my spirit animal before you said that. <laughs> I'm loving this. So, okay. So we so we have these mats on the floor. Um, we're in the stranger's house. She is giving, she gives us the ayahuasca, and Steve, whew, he just relaxes into it. And I'm sitting across the room watching him, and he's loving, it. and she's doing all the things. Eagle feathers over him and bells and music and all dancing for him. It was the whole, and I'm just sitting there going, what has happened in my life that this is what I'm doing? We were a full on <laughs> production. What is, what is happening? <laughs> and, and I tell this story because I, she gave me three heavy doses and I kept my foot hard on those brakes. Right. I was not, I just was not going to relax into it. I w- it scared me. Um, and I, and I was like, see, this doesn't work. Nothing's happening. Um, I did have a moment of real deep tears. You know, when, it, when she asked about intentions, I said, I've suffered some losses. And what I was referring to, I'm have, I'll tell you, cause you're not my shaman. Um, you know, we'd had Steve's infidelity, we that fucker over there dancing across the room. Yeah, yeah, him. <laughs> um, I had just sold this business that I built up, which was awesome, and there was a lot of drama tied up in that, and it felt like a real huge loss to me. Um, I had had that year of sadness where I was as deep and dark as I ever was going to be, and I had nobody reaching out to me, so I felt like I didn't have connections in the world. It just felt, I just, so all I said is I have suffered some losses and I want to process some of those. So 
at one point I was like heavy crying. I was just feeling miserable. The word uh, disposable kept coming up that I'm just disposable. No, you know, I don't matter to anybody. And so she's trying to check in with me and I'm like, yeah, now I hate you. This is horrible. What, you know, none of this is fun. So Steve starts, I mean, hours later, Steve starts to come out of it and we were kind of talking together and that was nice. And, and, and it's probably now one in the morning and we're going to just close our eyes for a few hours before we get on the road. And she says to me, it's still in your body. Let it do its work. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Awesome. And so you didn't really feel anything that, that, oh, that session. Isn't that crazy? So she goes to bed. Steve and I lay down for a couple of hours. And so then my body relaxes. I'm literally sleeping. And about five in the morning, I start to wake up. I'm in that half wake up time. And if I didn't have my own philosophies, not believing in God, I would have thought I was having a conversation with God. I believe I was having a conversation with my own brain in a metaphorical sense, right? But I'm hearing this voice and it starts, I'm like, and what I did is I, in my mind, I whipped out my card (laughs) and I said, let's go down the list. And I just went one at a time. I went, you know, it was like six things. And one at a time, I went through each of those things. And it was, this is how to deal with number one. And then number two, put a pin in it. It doesn't matter right now. And number three, here's how to open your heart here. You know, so then, you know, so 530 in the morning, I'm like, all right, Steve, we can go. Are you awake? He starts kind of waking up. I said, let's go. And he said, what happened? I said, I'll tell you at the bus stop. (laughs) Because <laughs> um, we bust over, you know, in Amsterdam, and so um, we uh, we headed out, and I just kind of let him know what had happened because he'd already reported a lot of what he had been through. So I kind of gave my own report, and it was one hundred percent absolutely what I needed. I don't, I didn't want the uh, the the pictures and the you know, I've done plenty of that since, but. I didn't want or need that. That all felt superficial to me in the moment. I'm not saying it is for people. I'm saying for me in the moment. But I here was this freaking list that was killing me. And boom, I was like, oh, okay. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's amazing to me how the universe serves it up for us. Exactly of, how you need of it. Of course, the universe yeah is going to give it to Sarah in a list. In a very practical way. Oh, yeah. And you know what? I'm just going to say the universe does it outside of plant medicine ceremonies too. Like this conversation is just what I needed today. Oh, I love it. Thank you for that. Um, Well, it just speaks to, yeah, Sarah, it it speaks to exactly, it's no surprise to me that that's, um, how you wanted it. I, we talked earlier about the, 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 um, logistical, like the pragmatic kind of stuff. And it's just like, okay, Steve, have fun with your Eagle feathers and your dancing shaman and your bells, but I got some shit on my list. Right. Right. And so it's just like, 
Boom, and boom, I don't boom, want to be boom. distracted by those, those, all the things that, and for Steve, that helps him get into the space. For That's me, right. that is yeah. all distraction. So I don't want any of it. I want to do the very practical work of just being in that space. And what do I need to be working on? Because for me, it's exhausting. It's hard work. I don't want to do it all the time, right? It's so I want to get in there, get the work done, process after, and then live the rest of my life, right? Where I think Steve's like, woohoo. Yeah, he's riding that way. He's like, come on. I'm flying with them eagles. Yeah. Well, Sarah, I, I have to ask because, you know, the psyche speaks often in symbols. I mean, it speaks in symbols, but you mentioned something about like the, uh, the autism or yeah. being on the spectrum. Do you, does your psyche speak to you differently or do you also get symbols? I, I don't even know how to answer that. What do you mean yeah. by, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> this, was, this is just like a very matter of fact, or, All I know matter, is of fact I matter of fact checklist. Yeah. And like, well, this is the only one we've shared so far, but are, have your other experiences been more like that too, where you go for the answers? It's like, let's cut the bullshit. We're not, we're not doing any, like we talked about our last. Yeah. It's a lot of what I do, but there are moments. So I'll say I'll fast forward a year. We went back a year later, same shaman, same living room, me and Steve. And that one I could like dive more in. I, I took my foot off the brakes and I'd like to say that about the brakes because for anyone who's scared, I want them to know you can have a not not as much fun experience by keeping your foot hard on those brakes. <laughs> it is possible to do. I did it. Um, but the second time I was going to relax into it and I did. And so, you know, all those pictures and all the things started. And truly what I kept saying is, what am I supposed to learn from that? What I that doesn't even make sense. What do I learn from an orange with a plant growing out of it? What am I supposed to learn? So I couldn't even enjoy it because I'm like looking for the lessons, really, you know. And what am I supposed to learn? And yeah, and that's not the way to do a session either. What Um, is this nonsense? Right, right. (laughs) What? Come on, universe, do better. (laughs) Exactly. If you're giving me a lesson, make it more clear. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That reminds me of. That's like my first time uh, meeting Sarah. Uh, you know, I'm I am who I am, and I go around. Nice to meet you. Can I have a hug? I, I say that to like every person I meet, and ninety nine percent of the time, people are like, "Yeah, I'm a hugger." You know, they they'll hug me. I said that to Sarah. Nice to meet you, Sarah. I've heard so much about you. Can I hug you? And Sarah's like, "Hell no, you cannot <laughs> hug me." <laughs> I didn't say hell no, but. Steve felt like I did, and you probably did too. So I've learned I have to stick my fist out and go, let's fist bump instead. Or because yeah, I'm not a toucher. I don't love that. And yeah, the it's the the hardest thing for me is when they're hugging me and in my ear saying, I'm a hugger. And I'm like, well, I'm not, but <laughs> yeah. thanks. Yeah. Congratulations but, yeah, on being a hugger, but like, no. <laughs> was that at the road yeah. show? Huh? Was that after the road show? When was that? No, that was at the Mountain Cider. So yeah. right before. Oh, it was, okay. it was the night before the thing. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Also, just to clarify, Sarah, I I don't know what kind of kink I got, but I prefer in my mind you saying, hell no, you cannot hug me. That, that For some reason. That, That's fine. You can tell that story. Okay. Oh, yeah, Doug. We're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> which I honored, oh which I honored. 
You, know? you did. You were very good. Steve, actually, we came home and had to talk about it. Steve did not like that I did that to you. No, 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 that was okay. She's, she's, she's a lot. Because at first, when she was owning her autonomy, which is a great thing, I support it. Someone would be like, hey, can I hug you? And she'd say, fuck you. Who did that? It was, no. it was very, very harsh. So I said, maybe, maybe we could do a fist bump oh, or something. No, no, none of that happened. That's fiction. Well, I loved it. All right, y'all, we okay. gotta we gotta talk Momo Palooza here. We're we're Let's do that. this time goes by so fast. So I, and I want to hear like the other stories. I want to hear more. Same. I just want to hear more. <laughs> you know where to find me. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're excited. So Mormon Palooza. Let's talk about that because we're two months away. Yeah. We're within that two months. So when we when so in my world in my life. I am an event planner. I do events. So this is, you know, that there's a lot of the details I'm super excited about. And I want to talk about some of them for a first time event. We're exactly where we should be. I'm super excited. And if we can really get people to understand what this is and what it could be. So this first event is going to be something. What this could grow into is something else altogether, which we may want to explore. And I'm super excited to share my vision with people. But uh, this first one's going to be lovely. And it, it, we have to limit the numbers. So to be able to say you were at the first one, I think it's going to be something meaningful for the people who make the commitment and, and grab a ticket. Hell yeah. So. So, yeah, I think we're gathering the tribe, right? Right. I mean, when we got exiled or exiled ourselves, we kind of lost the tribe. So we're gathering the tribe. We know we're doing that. And I think kind of at year one, we're going to see what people want, kind of feel it out. Yeah. Or event one. So event two is going to be awesome. But, uh, <laughs> but, but maybe we should each, because I don't know if we really even know, maybe we each go around and talk about what we think it should yeah, be. Yeah, take 30 seconds or so to what are we doing? Why are we coming together? Yeah, that'd be fun. I love that idea. I'm going to go. Pee real quick. Okay. All right. Should we go to you last? Okay. We'll we'll start with Sarah and Steve, and then I'll I'll hop in, and then we'll we'll have Mike right. give his answer, and then Mike's answer will be fresh and cute, right? Because he's all right. He yeah. won't have heard. Yeah. Oh. Or do you want me to go? Yeah, you go. Okay. I think the greatest gift that the current LDS Church gave us as a post Mormon community is jettisoning the word Mormon. Yes. We have not had a name. We have not had something to unify us. And the fact that they're letting that go means we can pick it up. And now we have a very large umbrella that can accommodate all of us. And the ones who want to be Mormon get to be. The ones who don't, don't have to be. But we are all, many of us are connected through these cultural experiences primary songs we sang, road shows that we did in, you know, even though my road show was very different than your road show, which was very different from, we all had the road show experience or the dance festival experience. And I, the, the, I like the idea of picking some of that up and celebrating that, celebrating those things. I come from deep Mormon heritage and to be able to, you know, pioneer ancestry, the idea of that somehow I had to give all that up when I stepped away from the church, 
I didn't have to give up my Jewish ancestry, even though I was never even Jewish. You never practiced. But somehow I had to give up my Mormon ancestry <laughs> when, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. So I like the idea that we're creating a space that celebrates who we are and who we can become. Kind of a mic drop. I, I don't want to go after. See, Steve, you have to go after Sarah. <laughs> you have to go I'll, I'll go. I see Mike's back. Mike, honest and true. Did, did you wash your hands? No, I did. I didn't wash my hands. Of course I didn't. I got to get back for this. <laughs> oh um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll give kind of the genesis story of this. The four of us were involved in it. We put on the Mormon Psychedelic Summit year two. And uh, so it was just great. The Before we did it the night, before we gathered at the distillery. Um, um, uh, Mountain West. Mountain West. Thank you, Mountain West. Then we did, you know, four or five hours of discussions on psychedelics and life, stuff like that. Then that night, y'all put on uh, Mormons on Mushrooms, Mama Guy Roadshow. And in the proper spirit of Mormon Psychedelic Summit, man, I was rocked on acid. And so in that space, I was inspired. I saw all of these incredibly talented Mormons, just God, so wonderful up on the stage. And I I knew a lot of the people there, the talents they have. So the next morning, still kind of under the influence. I hope y'all save the voice message from when this is bigger than Southwest. Oh yeah. I wonder if we can even, uh, uh, you remember what you said? Because I I think I want to include it in this episode if we can, because it was, it is hilarious. It was my favorite voice memo I've ever received. <laughs> Damn, it was it was amazing. I, and that's yeah, saying I a lot because did you know Cassidy, the Rolling Stone reporter, the thing she said about Mormons is they love their voice memos. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's funny. Hey, thank you so much for last night. Oh my God, the magic y'all are creating. That was extraordinary. I mean, soul soothing and... It just really helped me see our culture in a different way. And here's what I saw. I saw that we are the remaining Mormons, right? I mean, the institution, this huge, rich, powerful institution, what, what is it, right? I mean, they're not even Mormons. No one knows what they are. They don't know what they are. And what I realized is they're as dumb as their most arrogant aggressive, stupid apostle. I mean, let's pick Dallin Oaks. The institution can't be any better or smarter or creative than Dallin Oaks, right? Because whatever he says, that's what the whole institution has to do and follow. So you take that huge mountain, that huge platform, it's just kind of dead in the water creatively. And we get to individually, everyone you head up on stage, every beautiful soul in that audience, we get to just say what Mormonism is. They've even abandoned the name to us, right? They don't even know what the fuck they are. What are they? Members of the church. What? So I'm just so excited thinking, I mean, I am Mormon to my core, right? That's what defined me as a human. And now we just get to individually, right? Just plant seeds everywhere and just shout out, this is what it is to be Mormon. And it's not that stupid soul-sucking institution. I don't know if this makes any sense, but God, it's fucking exciting to me. And thank you so much for what you're doing. I just love the hell out of you two. 
Yeah. So, so one night while she was writing the story, I called her while I was tripping and just oh, left a message. I have no idea. I don't ever oh do that gosh. with anyone. And uh, she's cool that whatever I said was not in that article. Yeah. But um, anyway, so the next morning, I'm just so inspired by what y'all did and what I saw there that I'm thinking, oh, my God. We have the name. It's the Temple the Temple Square sect. They didn't take the ball and and go home. They left the they ball, left the ball. Man, with this beautiful field. What they spent gazillions of dollars to market. We can just pick that up and play with it. So I'm really, I guess, more Plus is like, hey, Xmos, let's get together and just fuck around. Let's have some fun. What are we going to do with this ball we've been handed? Oh. Yeah. Dude, it stirred. When you sent that, it stirred something big in me. Like it was, especially when it said, when you were like, oh, I just have to replay the, me- we'll, we'll replay it. Maybe Seth can edit it like this part so we can talk about it. But I don't remember at all what it was. Other we're than Mormons. Like it was, yeah. Because there was something magical. Sorry, Jug, I'm just jumping in and doing it. Big, oh, like, that's where it came together for me too. Um, you know, I, 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 I have this argument with people and I go back and forth sometimes about like, is healing shedding everything and moving forward or is healing the more I, I found for me as I heal, I, I get called to my ancestors and I'm getting pulled wow. to their trauma and their stories and their history. And that history, a lot of it is Mormon and that ancestry. And I feel like I can't escape it. So if I can't escape it, embrace it, you know? Um, And that's what we did in that night. It was this weird, quirky, fun, exhilarating, uh, spiritual, heart-opening night. And um, I'm still kind of basking in the glow of it. Yeah, and we had everything. We had quirky. We had the people sharing their the trophy that she had won uh, back in Fowler. Yeah, (laughs) at that we had uh, irreverent songs. We had heartfelt music. We had all of it, and so to expand that theme and to include now, like, um, and we say the words fireside roadshow and steak dance, but we get to create any of those however we want to fucking create it, however we want. But they're also pretty cool names, you know, and they're also triggering names, which I kind of love, too. I love the trigger, like, like, oh, that fireside, like, oh, or the steak yeah, dance. Yeah. It's been the most triggering one. As steak dance is the tough one. one for me. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting for both of you. That is fascinating to me. Hey, I was going to steak dances during my formative years, and I did not succeed all that much. And it's it's a traumatic experience for me. So this will be healing because <laughs> I bet it can be a lot more fun for you this time. I'm going to dance my ass off. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Any backflips, Doug? Any backflips? No backflips. <laughs> so oh, that's what it is for me. That's, yeah. That's awesome. We, we need to make sure. <laughs> Lots of slow dances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, hey, Stop. one after the other. And let's wait. And let me get We've nice and sweaty. have a slow dancer, too. Oh, my God. We have to. Okay. We'll work that out. Doug's, Doug's already, already requested Lady in Red, so that better be played. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, so wait, then, he hasn't uh, told, yeah, okay. let's hear his, uh, oh, his, we have like well, 15 minutes. I'll be, I'll be quick. Cause I, I, all y'all, I, I agree with you. I just, Steve, that, that voicemail lit a fire underneath me. Um, it was kind of like this thing of, oh, I don't have to throw it all out. Cause there are cultural things 
that's part of my, that's part of my, my heritage It's part of like how I was born and raised and the stories I was told about my, my ancestors that has to do with gathering and singing songs. Dude, I love pioneer songs about them sitting around the campfire and some dude singing, come, come ye saints. And no one joined him. And then he died later. I, I love that kind of shit. Like I love, I love stories about sitting around singing together. I love stories about adventurers and explorers and, and, and pioneer spirit. I love that shit. And so to me, mobile Palooza is just a, a cult, cultural celebration because it's okay to be culturally Mormon, especially since members of the LDS church don't want that word anymore. It's like, they gave it to us. Just like you said, Steve, it's like, here's this word that represents your fucking childhood and your parents' childhood and their parents' childhood. Like, here's this word that is like, pass this down from generation to generation. And beyond being members of an organization or members of a religious group or beyond like everyone having the same fall in line belief system, culturally, it was a way for people to kind of express themselves. It, It is a way for people to kind of you know, everyone took, puts a, a new spin on their fireside talk. I call it a TED talk, a fireside, whatever. People put a, a different spin on the music that they play or the act that they perform when they're doing a road show. And you get to see some real personalities come out when it comes to those steak dances. Like it's, you know, it's there's hormones and nobody knows how to do the thing. And it's like, <laughs> it's like someone on, you know, boys on one side, girls on the other side. And the, the brave guy goes and talks to the group. Like I want to re- reimagine that where everyone's not doing all that awkward shit. And we're just like dancing and laughing and storytelling. Authentic. Everyone can be autonomous and who they are. You know, it's, I find it fascinating with the LDS church and, you know, our backgrounds, we do this uh, worship of our ancestors, our ancestor worship. And we're supposed, you were supposed to somehow learn lessons from our pioneer ancestors but what are the real lessons? The lessons are they rejected everything they knew. They left all the toxicity behind and they wanted something better for themselves. And they were willing to completely sacrifice for it. Well, that is what we're doing. We're yep. the pioneers. Yep. We're, we're today's pioneers and we're yeah. not doing the easy thing. We are heading across the fucking plains looking for something better. You know what's interesting? You yes. Hear, yes. Preach. Preach. <laughs> you hear the stories of pioneers early on in church history, you know, and after they'd been here in the valley 40, 50 years, whatever, some pioneer would, someone who crossed the plains would stand up and say, y'all don't know. <laughs> you know, let me tell you about what we endured. And the other people would be like, oh, because those pioneers they saw each other, right? They had been through the same thing. I love all people. I love being with all sorts of people, but the ones who spark my soul the most are people who spent huge chunks of their life in the Mormon church and then left because I see them. They see me like no others, right? I mean, we try to act now like we're not weird. We're all still weird. Yep. Because we ha- and we see it in each other and appreciate it, sympathize with it. And it is just fun as hell for me to hang out with ex-Mormons who've, who've been on the journey. Fuck yeah. Here's to the trailblazers, the risk takers, the travelers, the adventurers. Like that's what that's what kind of stock I want to be proud of. I don't want to be I don't want to be proud of stock that's 
sitting around having a righteousness contest. Those right. people had to connect and rely on each other to survive. Yeah. And a lot of them didn't survive. Yeah. And that also brought them closer. Yep. Oh, that reminds me, one of my favorite parts of your message, Steve, is like you were talking about this people, the people we're describing right now, the risk takers, the trailblazers, the pioneers, we're those, the people, but we've been stifled by this organization and you just kind of move the organization away from the people. So I'm doing these things with my hands that the listeners can't see, but like you just kind of take this, this oppressive, uh, restrictive, dogmatic organization off the top of these people and let them be who they are. Be, yeah. right? And be. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to take five minutes and talk about the practicality of the day. I knew it. I knew you would. This is is what people can expect. First of all, we have tickets on sale. um, We're doing them in tiers. The first tier of tickets have been sold. The second tier are now available. um, And there are going to be three tiers. There's also, if you have big bucks and want to give, we have a sponsor uh, ticket, which is... um, you know, it's a little more money, but you get a few extra perks. So, and we can dive into that if we want. But since most people are going to have the day pass, we're breaking the day up into three triggering sections, turns out. The first is the fireside. And this is going to be four hours of hearing from people who who think and eat and breathe this topic and different, you know, and there's going to be three different rooms different sized rooms. So there's going to be, most of us are going to be in the big room with about 300, 320 uh, other participants watching. um, And we're trying to do, you know, put the most, the the one people want to see the most into that space. Then um, we're going to have two smaller rooms where we really want to have those be more intimate conversations. One will be a room of 50 people and then we want we have a hands-on room where it's just 20 people. So the first 20 get in, after that, you got to go find another room. So less popular, the ones that suck and then the ones that suck even more. Okay, stop. Or maybe the ones that were ex- exclusive and more. Yeah. That's what it is. So so people, and you're going to be doing, the small rooms are going to be real hands-on activities and, and like ways. Interactive can, kind of stuff. Interactive. So which you can't do with 300 people. So we're, we have these three spaces. So we're going to be doing that. So across four hours, we'll be having these different sessions. And let me give you an idea of some of the sessions we're talking about. One of my, I, I'm excited about a lot of these, but the, the ones that we have confirmed, so I can really talk about Um, One of them is called Challenging the Dangerous Dogmas that We Learned at Church, including Racism, Homophobia, and Patriarchy. And it is made up of three panelists who are, there's a lot of intersectionality going on. Um, One woman is a woman of color and she talks about racism. So she's going to deal with racism and gender issues being in the church. We have a man who is a person of color and he's gay, so he can talk about homophobia and racism. And then we have a woman who she has a degree in patriarchy. Um, and I could guess I can give their names. Sorry. Stacy Harkey is, is the man on the panel. Um, Chanel Horn is, uh, she's on TikTok um, as Better Noir 4. And then Amy uh, Alabest. 
I hope I said that right, Amy. She's from the podcast, Breaking Down the Patriarchy. And I just think it's a beautiful mix of people and, you know, the conversations that they can have. And what I love is Stacy does this for a living, right? He's DEI trainer and he's a comedian and he's a lot of fun. Everyone should be following him on uh, Instagram. He's going to be able to take us down some roads as the moderator and, and help the rest of us understand some of the things we don't even know we were programmed to believe, right? We all think we left the church and now we're woke, but the reality is you have to dig out the patriarchy. You have to dig out the homophobia. And if you haven't done the, or, and the racism, I don't mean to leave any of them out. If you haven't done that work, it's still in you. So I love the idea that we can have a very hard conversation, but present it in a way that might make us feel a little less uncomfortable. <laughs> There's going to be discomfort, but they're all super aware because it's a post-Mormon experience. It's going to be full of white people, um, you know, as just because we can't help it. That's who we are. We're all still weird. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's one of them. But as uh, an example of a hands-on session, I have uh, Emancipated Molly. She's Her name's actually Terry Hales. She does a podcast and she's going to be talking about overcoming religious trauma. So anybody who's super deep in that or can't seem to get break free of it, she's going to have a room full of just 20 people. And she's going to be going through some very specific things that can help them break free of that or, you know, take their next steps. So we'll be filling the day with things like that. Lindsay, uh, Lindsay Hanson Park from uh, Sunstone. Sorry, I know her well. I can't believe I just stumbled on her. She wants to talk about claiming your Mormon identity, which I love, you know, that's, uh, this is what this is all about. How do we do it in a healthy way? And she's been thinking about this for years. You know, I feel like in some ways we're coming to this topic a little later than some, right? Some have really yeah. been thinking about this, including Lindsay for a long time. So I remember listening to Lindsay and others on podcasts talking yeah. about this subject and we're just like, you know, we're passing the torch and passing the, and right. hopefully lighting a fire that gets this going, you know? And so she's, yeah, she's happy to be a part of it. I love that. So that's going to be the first part. And it's going to be about four hours. Then we're going to take a break. And here's the practicality of it. There are going to be food trucks outside. We're going to have that hour long um, while we flip the space and we can all eat and enjoy. And then when we come back in, that's when the roadshow hits. And that's another four hours. And you guys can kind of dive into some of those things because there's a lot that's going to be happen packed into those four hours. There is. So I, we're going to kick it off with some, some comedy. So Aaron Woodall, I think a lot of people will know him. Uh, famous kind of, I guess we can call people famous, famous sure. ex-Mormon comedian. Oh, yeah. uh, he's going to be uh, doing a, an intro segment, which is going to be, uh, it's going to be amazing. And I've been chatting back and forth with him. I'm just really excited about it. So he's going to start it off. And then we've lined up some, uh, we've lined up tests who people should know well if they listen to this podcast. And we're actually going to release an episode with some of your music here coming up. Uh, we got uh, Rocky Level. Go ahead. Yeah, I hope, I hope someone recorded Tess at, at Mama Guy Roadshow. Oh, we've got it. We've got all the songs. So we're going, she was the star of the, sh the night, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it was unbelievable. I know her so well and I was so blown away. So blown away. So we actually did a recording with Tess. It's going to come out pretty soon with three of her songs that she sang that night. And hopefully people will listen to it before 
uh, Mormon Palooza. And so they can sing along with her, you know, because they're, they're good songs. So Tess is going to perform Rocky Lavoie, but she was uh, on our uh, song circle episode. So good. So she's going to perform. We've got mountain tribe coming. Doug and I, Mormons on Mushrooms, we're going to do a set. Um, have I missed anyone yet? I think that's everybody. That's I think there will be, you know. I think there will be some one-offs where people will have one song to come up and do. Is that I'm right, hoping Mike? we do a little bit of a, a little sing-along. There will be sing-alongs you know, for sure. Some of that. So it should be very interactive. I'm super excited. Yep. So that's going to go four hours. And then we're going to take another hour. More food trucks will come. Um, and then we'll have three about three hours of just dancing. And um, we have some DJs coming in who are a lot of fun. And it's just going to be a really fun, relaxed night. Go ahead. Well, we can edit this out if there are any issues with it. But yeah, you had Tanner and Sam at a Mama Gaia Roadshow. And uh, man, that'd be awesome to have them. And and Tanner, I, I apologize. I had never met him before. Didn't know much about him. Oh my God. I just fanboyed all over him so good. Uh, after he performed. Sorry. Well, I, I reached out. I'll, I'll hit him up again. Uh-huh. I would love to have him there. So. Same. So, and so a couple of other details we are, there will be a bar. So start not during the first portion of the fireside, but once we hit the afternoon um, during the road show and the, um, and the steak dance, there will be a bar where you can grab a drink. It is a 21 and older event. So you'll have to show ID when you arrive. Um, you'll get a wristband, but that wristband is going to allow you to come and go. So if you can't be there the whole day or you need to step away, perfectly fine. It should be a really relaxed and fun day. And, you know, there are going to be some things that we, we want to laugh a lot. We want to claim the things that are exciting for us and jettison all the toxic toxicity but you know then and maybe this is i know we're getting to the end here but i love the idea in future we oh sorry let me say it this way we are have chosen conference weekend in october and if there's any success and it already looks like there's going to be we're going to do this again uh, in a bigger version in April's conference. And so we'll just, we can meet twice a year. And I know that weekend tends to be triggering for some still. So let's reinvent the weekend. Let's reclaim the weekend. Let's, you know, instead of it being something we have to worry about, let it be something we are really looking forward to. Hell yeah. Or we'll get together and just decide it's a god awful idea. We'll never do it again, right. and no one will talk about it. And and we just will never speak of it, and that's okay. Or or it'll keep, <laughs> it'll keep growing, and Mormon Palooza will get so big, and the church gets smaller that we'll be the ones in the conference center. <laughs> <laughs> we'll buy the mega knuckle from them. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll we'll, go to the clubhouse. So that's, that's yeah, we'll, we'll gonna, swap venues. <laughs> We're going to be at the clubhouse on South Temple. It's a really great venue. If no, if you're not familiar with it, it will, I think I said already, it's limited to about 400 people, um, but it's a comfortable, great space. And what I would, I do want people to start thinking about this, even if you can't make it to this first round, we hope you can. We, We want everybody to come, but of course we know we're limited. What I'd love this to grow into is something 
more expansive, a real festival over multiple days where, you know, we have, we, we can grab that cultural stuff, you know, a whole section on quilting. Well, I know there are already quilting conferences. Come be a part of that. Come yes. be a part of us. Just hold, we don't care if you hold it over our days and just let us know. We'll let people know, hey, here's something else that's happening related to Mormon Palooza. I'd love to see, you know, we have our friend John Delana who does karaoke. I'd love to see him do a karaoke night. If Sunstone wants to do something as part of this, I would love that. And just let us know what all those things are. And we will we'll make sure our calendar is as fleshed out as possible so that people have options. They have lot, you know, they're the, we want the problem to be, there are too many things to go to and not enough time. And we'll warn the poor Utah never mows just to lock their doors and don't come out those days. <laughs> yeah. You may not want to see what's going down, but I'd love for this roadshow to be over a day or two, right? Where it's, we really see what people respond to and we give them that and maybe speakers over the same day or two, and you have to choose which thing you're going to. I'd love to see that unpacked, you know, where we are telling pioneer stories, but we're telling real pioneer stories. We're not telling the whitewashed versions of it, right? There's so much about our history and our heritage that we can reinvent. I would love to see actual roadshows, like three locations, and you come together, you quickly put a skit together, here's some costumes, you throw up some, um, you know, some background, and you go as a group from, from place to place, and there are people at each place ready to watch, and you see, our kids don't know what a real roadshow is. Right. right. So they would get a taste of this. I'm hoping this bigger version is not limited to 21. Right. It's yeah. we have to do that this first time. But yeah, beyond, let it be a big family event. Yeah, get those gypsy Mormons. <laughs> like, I, I honestly want to give people during conference weekend, I want to be able to, those firesides and the conversations that are being had, I want our people to be able to post to social media quotes and thoughts to rival what's what, whatever the, uh, so the approved right? quotes and social media yeah. campaign is that comes out of that stupid oh, conference well, you know center. Like I, I want, sorry, I just had an idea. Yeah, Similar literally. to that they do in, in general conference where they give people hashtags. We should give yeah. people hashtags. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We should use their hashtags. Oh, we should use yeah, their exactly. hashtags. Find yes. out what they are and start using those. Yeah. So, so I don't think we're doing it this first time, but what I would love to see at one of these is we just have a room set aside for testimony meetings, testimony meeting and people, you know, let's put a clock on them. Two and a half minutes. Where people talk about, yeah, what do we really, what does that person think? What matters to that person? Maybe what was that person's pioneer journey out of? Yeah. God, I mean, I love these stories. If if anyone listening ever wants to tell me about your pioneer story out of the church, I want to hear it. Yeah. I love these stories. And and a total opposite to that, I want a funeral potato contest where everybody goes along and tastes these. And because who knows better what they should taste like? We have strong opinions about that. 
that needs to be a part of what we're doing. And I just want to be able to laugh about it and claim it. And because what a stupid thing, funeral potatoes. Funeral potatoes. I got to wait for somebody to die. Very proud of. We should have a jello contest. I mean, I just, I want this to be something that gets bigger than us. I want people to, I hope talking about this, there are people out there who are saying, oh, I know what I do. I know what I would organize. And then circle back with us, let us know. And we want to celebrate you. I don't want this to be a competition. I want this just to be us supporting you, you being a part of this bigger event, because we're all part of this culture and we Uh all need to claim it. We all need to celebrate it. Shit, I can't stop smiling. I can't I can't wait two months for this thing. I'm so pumped up right now. And you know what I'm excited most about? Doug, I want to dance with you during Lady in Red. Lady in Red. I just want to dance with Doug during Lady in Red. Goodbye. You signed his dance card. That's right. It's happening. All right. We know you two have to go. Wow. This this has been everything I wanted it to be and more. I, I feel like, yeah, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. You know, this this is how Steven and Sarah's sexy time typically goes. It's like an hour of nonsense, usually me, you know, workshopping my <laughs> comedy routine. And then she says, hey, let's take five minutes and go over the pragmatic elements. <laughs> oh, I don't know what that was. Well, okay. that's as good a place to end as any. Yes. Hey, I just want to challenge, like, try flipping the script. Which is, what, which is what Steve says to Sarah during sexy time. That wasn't me talking about the podcast. That's as good a place to end as any. What did you say, Mike? I say try flipping the script next time. Let's do do five minutes or do. Yeah, yeah, flip it. Flip it. Yeah. Yeah. No, this was this was awesome. Man, you crossed the line there, Mike. That's. Wow. Can't believe you said that. Um, Yeah. So I'd love to know, you know, if people have ideas, if they have questions, reach out to us. We're on Instagram where you've got the website mormonpalooza.com. It's we're super excited and we want to know what you want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Interactive. Again, I mean, yeah. I keep using that word, but let's bring let's everybody and get that creativity going. I say there's people are so much smarter than me on a lot of things. So I want there are their smarts working, you know, for this community. Yeah. Come play with us. I mean, that's what I love most about Mama Guy Roadshow. It was fun. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be fun. And get your tickets now because I think we're going to be turning people away. Yeah, we are. Which I hate doing because I hate turning people away. But like, I know. So they have to wait six months. It's not even a year. You can wait, but come instead. Just grab your ticket. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Love you guys. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.